other version other than the authorized King James version of the Bible. It doesn't sound right unless it's in what we first memorize. We're going to ask you to stand. We're going to read this. And I just feel like speaking from right here today. Well, let's read together. Let's read together. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, you said if we continue in your word, we are truly your disciples. And we will know the truth, and the truth will make us free. Free us today from the bondage of idols, from wrong conceptions of you, from over-preoccupation with ourselves. Uh, Lord, free us from all the chains, uh, and help us to behold our God now. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Please be seated. Thank you so much. <laughs> Psalm 23 is the best known and most loved of the Psalms. It's typically been called the Shepherd's Psalm. But I liked how the Amplified Bible titled it. It said, The Lord, the Psalmist's Shepherd. The Lord, the Psalmist's Shepherd. David was a shepherd who became the great king, greatest king of Israel. But he was just a picture of the coming king who would come, and that king would become a shepherd. <laughs> and we read about it in Isaiah chapter 40, how the coming one would gather his flock. And as I've gone over this, poured over these familiar words um, this week, uh, one of the real keys to understanding more about this psalm is to see it from a shepherd's perspective. And uh, I got this book many, many years ago, A Shepherd Looks at Psalm 23 by Philip Keller. I'd just like to know, who's familiar with this? Philip Keller and A Shepherd's Look at Psalm 23. Only one of you, a couple of you. Good, well, my copy is available for loan afterwards today. Uh, and the extraordinary thing is, um, and I've read also, uh, the Wonder of the Wind is Philip Keller's personal testimony and story, and you'd love to read that as well, those of you who are familiar with this. He grew up from, uh, under missionary parents in Africa, where he witnessed uh, the tribesmen's care of their flocks in that primitive culture. 
Uh, he went on to leave Africa and, and came eventually to British Columbia where he bought a ranch and became a shepherd. He's also got a little book I read, uh, Lessons from a Sheepdog, and precious, incredible writer, and, uh, but his insights as a shepherd, a shepherd looks at Psalm 23, just takes this from black and white to color, and, and so my challenge is here in week one of VBS uh, to maybe dust off your memory of Psalm 23, I mean, you may have memorized it years and years ago. I'm not even conscious when I memorized it, but it's just, it's in our blood. It gets in our blood. And I want you to memorize this because you need, you need scriptures that you can remember in the middle of the night when you can't sleep. And you need scriptures when you're driving down the road and you're trying to fall asleep and you need to stay awake and you can meditate on the Word of God day and night. And Psalm 23 is just it. I want to show you, there's a simple structure. There are only six verses in this psalm. The first verse is an introduction. And when you're writing a paper, if you remember uh, how to do that, you start with an introduction, right? And in your introduction, you always want to have your theme statement or your proposition or your thesis. And when David says in the first verse, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, that's it. <laughs> that really encompasses everything. It's a tremendous testimony he bears, though. So that's the introduction. I want to talk about the introduction just a little bit, what it means for him to say, the Lord Jehovah, and that is the, the Lord's proper name there, the capital letters, his personal name that distinguishes him from all of the gods of the nations who are idols. But then as he goes into it, I found two points. I'd never, again, just looked at it maybe with this much detail, but he bears testimony, he bears testimony speaking about the Lord, as we've heard brothers testify today. And then secondly, in verses 4 and 5, I just say it's thanksgiving. He turns to speak directly to the Lord. You see, when he's bearing testimony, he's speaking in the second person. He's, he's, he's speaking to someone else. But then he turns to the first person and talks directly to God. And he speaks to him. And then in verse 6, there's a conclusion. So a simple introduction, body, and conclusion. But I want to share just a few thoughts. I don't have time to go in all the detail I'd love to today, but I want to tell you this is it. Philip Keller called this a hymn of praise to divine diligence. A hymn of praise to divine diligence because it's all about the shepherd. It's not about the sheep. It's about the sheep who are cared for by this shepherd. And I find this in my life right now, one of the maybe the, the greatest challenges in my life, and maybe yours as well, is how is God leading? What is God doing? What does God want to do? And this whole simple concept of a sheep following the shepherd and following the shepherd because he trusts in the shepherd, knows the shepherd, is cared perfectly for by the shepherd. This is what, if we can wake up in the morning and trust that, it's never going to be a bad day. Hard days, yes, difficult days, but never a bad day because we're shielded from evil. And there's other ways that this shepherd and overseer of our souls cares for us. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. That's David's introduction. It sums up who the Lord is to David, and it testifies to the blessed assurance that David lived with 
of God's care for him. Somebody put together a little children's catechism years ago, and one of the questions at the beginning was, why should you glorify God? Why should you glorify God? And the simple answer is because he made me and takes care of me. Because he made me. He made us as sheep. We didn't make ourselves sheep. We didn't create ourselves. It is he who made us. Not we ourselves, Psalm 100 says. And he takes care of me. The Lord is my shepherd. Jehovah God is a personal God. His very name emphasizes his eternity. That's a divine attribute, that he's the eternal God. Because his name is, I am who I am, or I will be who I will be. He's the God for whom past, present, and future are all in view. Because he's the eternal God. The personal, eternal God. And David has a personal relationship with him. You can see here that David loves the Lord, and it's because the Lord first loved him. Isn't that true of you and me? We love him because he first loved us in the care of his good shepherd. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep, and how evident that is here. Just think about this fact that sheep desperately need a shepherd. Sheep are prone to wander. We need a shepherd. And it really comes down to this, Jesus said, no one can serve two masters. You either love one, hate the other, be devoted one, despise the other. You cannot serve what? God and riches or mammon. Mammon is uh, the word for riches. Just think about that. Most all of the world counts on money as being what will take care of them. And in some extent, we know that's true. Uh, we need those financial resources. We need the material goods. But money can't shepherd us. The Lord is. Something's ultimate in your life. Something's the, the thing that you absolutely can't live without and what you give yourself most to. And for most of the world, in Jesus' words, that's mammon. That's earthly riches. Jesus said, too, when, when he comes on that last day, uh, most people are not going to be ready for that day because their lives have been consumed with the cares of this life, the desire for riches, and the desire for other things. And that last day will come as a snare upon all those who dwell on the face of the earth. When the Son of Man comes, Jesus said one time mournfully, will the Son of Man find faith on earth? How few people... Confess this confession of faith in life. The Lord is my shepherd. How much that sums up. I shall not want. That in the introduction, David is just saying, I lack nothing. Everything I need is provided by my shepherd. He feeds, he guides, he shields me. I will never be in need. I shall not want. Now, wait a minute, you have to think about this because a book like James says, if anyone lacks or wants wisdom, let him ask God, okay? Do you lack wisdom? I look back on my life many times, I've lacked wisdom. I still try and read the Proverbs constantly because that old Chinese proverb is true. Too quick old, too slow smart. 
So when we want something, when we lack something, as a sheep related to this shepherd, we learn to call upon him and he supplies that. So when David says, I shall not want, he's not saying he has no needs, much less desires, but what he is testifying is when he's aware of those, when he's experienced those times of desperate need of God, God has provided and answered his prayer and come to him and provided for him. And so that's the point he's making. Paul in a Roman prison could say, making this great testimony, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Philippians 4.13. And that's because he had learned to be content. The Philippians had sent tremendous help to him and again and again. But Paul could testify that he had learned to be content, whether with plenty or whether in want. In all things, I can do all things through Christ Jesus who gives me strength. And you know what he wrote back to the Philippians? He said, my God shall supply all of your needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. That's the same chapter. It's just the 19th verse. My God shall supply all your needs according to his riches. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. That's a tremendous confession of faith. And it's one that we need to preach to ourselves. You see, you need to preach to yourself daily. And I need to learn to preach to myself daily. In a verse like this, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Some days I need to say that, self, my, that to myself seven times. Sometimes I need to say that to myself 70 times seven in the course of a day. Not to give in to worry and anxiety and just feel overwhelmed by the cares of this life. All right? So take it away with you today. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. That comprises the truth of who our good shepherd is and the posture that he wants us to live in by faith and devotion at peace in the security of his relationship. Then David goes into a few particulars. I'm going to mention them just separately or, or quickly, but he shares a testimony about Jehovah and then his thanksgiving to Jehovah. What's his testimony? His testimony is that this shepherd nourishes him in body and soul day after day. He nourishes him. He takes care of him. David said, He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Isn't that a beautiful setting today? The green out. Something interesting Philip Keller said, though, is sheep don't necessarily like to lie down. They're not comfortable with lying down unless they have a sense of security and they feel safe. If the shepherd hasn't taken good care of them and they're itching and scratching because of the parasites, the nose flies and all of this, they can't lie down and be at peace. They have to be cared for by the shepherd. If the sheep are hearing the growling of a mountain lion or the, the cry of the wolves, there's no sheep going to lie down for that. God has to make us lie down and that's because of the care that he has for us, where we have a sense that he's taken those burdens on himself and we're at peace. When do you sleep better? When your hands are ringing with anxiety or when, when there's that calm that's come into your heart and soul? I remember going furniture shopping one time. 
That was a lot of fun. Do you ever, any of you have memories going furniture shopping with mom or dad growing up? Oh, that was a great place to go and just jump into those big armchairs and all. Well, I made the mistake of taking our kids. And Cheryl and I were there, and we had three or four by that time, I can't remember, that the kids have a way of getting a little ahead of you. What we were shopping for was a couch or a sofa. We needed something. And the kids got to the back of the store before we did. And how they know this stuff, I don't know. But they got on this sectional kind of thing that's got the little buttons here on the side, and you pull it up and the feet go up. And we had our kids demonstrate. I guess they were trying out all of the specimens there in the, the, the store. And I'll never forget that sign. And yes, we ended up getting one that had the little pole thing and the feet went up. But we had a good time in doing it. But I get that, that's the kind of picture that comes to mind when I hear David saying, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still or the quiet waters. There's rest. It's a picture of rest. God is the rest provider. And he brings restoration and renewal. He restoreth my soul, David said. Our souls can be like old rusted out Model T's that need restoration. When we are out working in this hot Florida sun and humidity, it's easily get fluids depleted, and that's why Gatorade sells so much, because they tell you, you drink this and your electrolytes are going to be re restored and, and this and that, and we need it. But that's the kind of God. Now, there's a shepherding angle on this, and this was fascinating. Philip Keller said one of the great dangers sheep has is if they become cast. Does anybody know what a cast sheep is? A cast sheep is one that's not just laid down, but it's got turned over on its back and its feet are up in the air. It might have done this because it had just gorged itself, uh, or maybe it was especially tired, or whatever reason. But that's why the shepherds were so careful to count the number of their sheep. Because if there are one or two missing, then it's likely that that sheep or those sheep were cast. They're out in the wilderness there some, some place where they're upside down, and if it's a hot, uh, perilous kind of climate, or if there are predators around, they may not last very long at all. And that's why the good shepherd would leave the 90 and 9 and go find the one, because it's probably a cast sheep that's going to perish if it's not rescued. And that may well be David's, in David's mindset when he says, he restoreth my soul. There are times where in life where you come where you're going to feel like a cast sheep. You're just, you're on the back, your feet are up, and you can't get up. And David testifies that this is a God who seeks and saves. He leads us in the path of righteousness' sake. It struck me, you know, we all need R&R. &R. But biblically it, says, biblically it says we need R and R and R. There are three R's, because the third R is righteousness. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness. You see, the best path to take is the path for God's glory and for our good spiritually. The path of righteousness is the yellow brick road to, to holiness and godliness. That's where joy and peace, lasting joy and peace are found, isn't it? It's in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. The shepherd has to keep his sheep moving 
Philip Keller says. Sheep will be prone just to stay in the same pasture, eat the grass all the way down to the bare ground, and not move on. But our shepherd knows better. It's not good for pastures to be overgrazed in that way. And so the good shepherd keeps his sheep moving. He leads us in the path of righteousness for his namesake. So we're here at this point, then he moves us here in another season of life and circumstances and moves us again. He keeps moving us. In fact, this is fascinating to me, that Philip Keller believes that what we have here in Psalm 23 is sort of the yearly cycle of the shepherd's care for the sheep. You see, in, in the winter and the springtime, you're at the home ranch. The pastures are green, the water's plentiful and available there, and it's a time of rest and, and refreshment. But come the summer, the shepherd begins to move, and the shepherd will move the sheep, at least in mountainous countries and all, through the valleys. It's through the valleys to get to the higher country where the alpine pastures are there, the breezes are cooler, the, 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 the ewes will be, give birth to the lambs, and so forth. And they will be up there in that high country grazing for the summer until early fall when the sleet and the rain and the snow begins, and then they make their way back to the home ranch. Does that add some color? Isn't that beautiful? That makes perfect sense. But we can testify with David, all I have needed, the Lord has provided. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. Following his testimony, then, David gives thanks directly to Jehovah in verses 4 and 5. And notice this pilgrimage then, this moving, the shepherd moving his sheep from the home ranch there. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. David is talking to his good shepherd at this point. This is the summer and fall season, journeys to the high country. And jo David gives thanks for Jehovah's presence, for thou art with me. His name is Emmanuel, God with us. He's with us today. He's with us in the worst place that we could possibly go through. Yea, through, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, even when it's death valley. I read to you a few weeks ago the account of John Bunyan writing in his Pilgrim's Progress where Christian meets Apollyon in the Valley of Humiliation. The valley, Philip Keller writes, is the best way to the higher ground. The valley is well watered. The richest feed and forage are found there in the valley. I love how Philip Carroll Keller could bear testimony to these truths in his own life, a life that wasn't easy, a, a life that wasn't a bed of roses. It is a most reassuring and reinforcing experience to the child of God to discover that there is, even in the dark valley, a source of strength and courage to be found in God. It is when he can look back over life and see how the shepherd's hand has guided and sustained him in the darkest hours that renewed faith is engendered. And so, 
Jehovah's presence leads David to be able to say, I will fear no evil. I'm not going to fear it. Jesus said, in the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. There's a lot different, a big difference between experiencing tribulation and evil is in that and taking resonance in your heart. It's a big difference between that and going through tribulation, but having this impregnable wall about us that it is the Lord himself sheltering us from evil. David's saying, not on my watch. I'm not going to fear evil. When you walk in the fear of the Lord, you don't have to fear evil or the evil one. Be watchful, yes. Be sober, yes. Put on the armor of God, yes. But fear evil, no. See, the shepherd has his weapons. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. The rod, he takes that as a picture. Philip Keller takes that as a, a picture of the word of God. The rod, the shepherd's rod, you know, about this long, good and stout. Remember Moses had a rod and God commanded and used that. That word of God is what God uses to discipline us. The sheep would pass under the rod, and the rod would be used to, you know, pull back the fur a little bit to see if there are any parasites in there. We want to make sure the sheep are healthy. And so the sheep would pass under the rod. It's for examination, and it's for protection. Philip Keller talked about how amazed he was when he was growing up in Africa, and the African, some of the boy shepherds would have the rod. And, and when a predator threatened, they could get that rod and throw that thing with bullseye accuracy and take out a prey. Amazing. That's the picture David has. And his staff, we all know what that looks like, the long stick with the curve at the end. What does the shepherd use his staff for? Well, Philip Keller said one of the important things is when the ewes have given birth to the lamb, sometimes mom and kid get separated from one another. And he would use his staff to reach down and get the little lamb and bring it over and put it right back by its mom. <laughs> Isn't that cool? Or it falls off a little ledge and can't get back up. Sheep are notorious for getting themselves in trouble. But that staff could pick it up again and bring it back and rescue it in that that imagery is so precious to us. God has them and uses them to protect us and to rescue us. We won't ever be separated from his presence. I always loved how Teddy Roosevelt said, walk softly and carry a big stick. <laughs> I think that's what our shepherd does. He walks softly and he carries a big stick because he's got our protection and our provision at the center of his heart. Jehovah provides. That's what David gives thanksgiving for also. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. That's Jehovah's provision. I think it's as simple. I'm safe and I'm healed. I'm safe and I'm healed. The table that David refers to is a mesa. In Spanish, and if you've lived out west, you might know a mesa verde. It's, it's, it's a rock formation. It's, it's a table. It's flat. But David's talking about those alpine pastures, those green places. God prepares a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. 
What a beautiful picture. But the table has to be prepared. You see, the shepherd has to go in. There may be poisonous plants in those, in those pastures. And so Philip Keller would say he'd take his kids, and in preparation as the flock is being brought up through the valleys to those alpine pastures, they'd go and, and several times go up and they'd weed out the poisonous plants that would be toxic to the sheep. A table has to be prepared. And the anointing of the head with oil, all kinds of parasites. And one of the things that is most annoying and damaging to sheep are nose flies. And so he would take his own concoction of linseed oil and some other things and just rub that over the face and the nose of the sheep. So when they're up in the pastures, they're not... Sometimes they can just be almost uh, driven crazy by the annoyance of those pests. And so it's an, a, a medicinal picture. There's also sheep are uh, prone to scabs on their skin that can just be spread from one to another and cause all kinds of discomfort. David's teaching us to express our thanks to the Lord for his presence and his provision. In conclusion, he says, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. David has absolute confidence and a blessed assurance of two things. One for time and the other for eternity. No doubt about it. All the days of my life, David says, goodness and mercy shall follow me. And I think Philip Keller had a beautiful insight here. Not only is it God continually ministering his goodness and mercy to us, but he's ministering it not only to us, but through us. That in our lives as we walk and are led by the shepherd in the path of righteousness for his name, God's mercy and God's goodness are going to flow through us and we're going to leave a trail behind us of blessing in other people's lives. Listen to that. Think about that. I never thought of that concept before. I'd read it three or four times, but I'd forgotten it. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. In other words, our fruits, our works will follow us. When you've touched another person's life, when you've been a blessing to somebody, you've left something good behind you. Goodness and mercy follow you in that sense. Doesn't that spur us on to love and to good works? And he will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now that's an extended stay. I like that. Not a temporary arrangement. Jesus prepares a permanent place for us. To dwell in the house of the Lord is to be in the household of God, to be with his family forever and ever, ever. So in conclusion, never forget what the good shepherd says about his sheep. In John chapter 10, is that long discussion of Jesus is the door and Jesus is the good shepherd. He said, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. And I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me 
is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. What a beautiful conclusion. This psalm is meant to make us think about our shepherd and his care for us. One of the things that I can testify to you this morning is if you go out to the ark and look at the sheep out there and look at those precious minis or whatnot, on this property, we've got the best cared for animals in the world. Thank you, Susan. <laughs> Thank you, Kim. <laughs> Thank you, volunteers. Isn't that true? <laughs> Do you realize that? <laughs> How wonderfully these animals are cared for here? Well, that's the picture David wants to leave us with and yet magnify it to God himself. I just, I, I just pray, uh, you know, that, that a, a psalm like this will take root in your heart and you'll be thinking in terms of God's got a purpose that he's working out in you and through you. And this precious relationship of just a sheep, but to this shepherd, will inspire high and holy thoughts every day of your life. God bless you for Jesus' sake. Let's pray, and we're going to sing together. Lord our God, I, I thank you for the, the time of worship this morning. I thank you that you led Joby to walk in here today. Thankful for Jim and Bear's experience yesterday and how Jim could bear testimony to a nurse who took the time to, to care for him when he was down, yet left blessed because of his prayer and encouragement for her to seek the truth of the Lord. I'm thankful that our times are in your hands. Lord Jesus, we know the depth of your love because you laid down your life for us. And we thank you for all of the ways that you care for us. And so, Lord, we want to commit our lives anew to you today as we conclude the service. We want to make this our confession of faith. He leadeth me. And as we do, that we would commit ourselves wholly to you, to live for your glory and prepare for eternity. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. Where's that chair? Could you grab that stool for me, please? Yeah. Perfect. Thank you. He leadeth me, oh, blessed thought, oh, words with heavenly comfort from whate'er I do, where'er I be, still tis God's hand that leadeth me. He leadeth me, He leadeth me by His own hand. He leadeth me. His faithful follower I would be, for by His hand He leadeth me. 
Sometimes mid scenes of deepest gloom Sometimes where Eden's bowers bloom By water still or troubled sea Still tis his hand that leadeth me He leadeth me, he leadeth me by his own hand he leadeth me his faithful follower i would be for by his hand he leadeth me lord i would clasp thy hand in mine nor ever murmur nor repine content whatever lord i see since tis thy hand that leadeth me he leadeth me he leadeth me by his own hand His faithful follower I would be, for by His hand He leadeth me. And when my task on earth is done, when by Thy grace the victory is won, even death's cold wave I will not flee since God through Jordan leadeth me he leadeth me he leadeth me by his own hand he leadeth me his faithful follower I would be for by his hand he leadeth me his faithful follower I would be for by his hand he leadeth me prayer. I want to conclude with the benediction today that the writer of Hebrews gives us. I think I know it. Now may the God of peace, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you perfect in every good work to do his will working in you what is well-pleasing in His sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen.